the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Courageous Christianity, a public nonprofit ministry equipping Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. The intersection of our faith in the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world that challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. As a colonel in the Marine Corps Reserves with numerous combat deployments, Richard Mentolo has walked dangerous ground in peacetime and in war. Join us as he and his guests shed light on this critical intersection on spiritual combat and on the rules of engagement for courageous Christianity. And here's your host, Richard Mendelo. Friends, welcome and thank you for joining us on Courageous Christianity. This is week five in our series entitled Friends with the World, Enemies of God. And this series draws on a verse from the book of James, chapter four, which says, therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. In part one, we discussed our relationships with God, our understanding of his nature, our feelings about his love and the choices that we make in response to those perspectives. In part two, we discuss the crisis in masculinity and the fatherless, leaderless world in which we live at a time when we truly need faithful combat leaders. In part three, we discuss the freedom we have as Christian Americans to make choices. And in part four, we leveraged Christie's transformational coaching expertise to learn how people make choices. And what I learned from that show is that our choices are really just the tip of the iceberg and like an iceberg, the basis for those choices are huge and complex and lie beneath the surface. And these shows are available by podcast on kkht.com or at courageouschristianity.today. And if you think about the verse from James chapter 4, therefore anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world. So make no mistake, it is a choice. Today we're going to attack the question of why young people are leaving the church and to see what we can learn from our children. And to help us with this discussion, Pastor Jeff Neal is back after a severe bout with COVID. Pastor Jeff, welcome. Thank you, God. How are you? Yeah, doing much better every day. About two weeks and, and a couple of days past initial uh, infection, but, but fit, get over it, get my strength back every day. So appreciate the prayers. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, God. And as always, my fearless wingman, Christy Stratton, is with us. Hello, everyone. 
Folks, before we begin, I must remind you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserves, I have to preface my comments by saying that these are my personal views and they do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Pastor Jeff, will you please pray for us? I would be happy to. Heavenly Father, we're so uh, grateful for this, this avenue to talk about you, talk about your attributes, talk about your importance in our life. Um, Lord, we look out in life and see so much that can tend to uh, uh, make us nervous sometimes or, or give us fear. And so our, our one true hope is you and your great love for us, your great care for us. And so we call upon that now. Teach us today. May we be a blessing uh, as we point people to you. We pray all these things in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Interesting. Uh, Pastor Jeff, you said uh, uncertain. And my nephew was just pinned as a Navy SEAL this past week. And so proud of him. And I pray for him every day. And... I was saying to him in a text that there is so much uncertain, and as you pray for the people that you love, you realize that where we end, when we find the end of ourselves, and that uncertainty that confronts us, there is only God. When we turn to him and seek him in all things, that creates the certainty for which we are so grateful. So folks, just to let you know, if there's a cough or two, please forgive Pastor... Yeah. Neil, because number one, we should all be forgiving, and number two, he has been sick. So, yes. we're talking about the future of faith, part five, friends with the world, enemies of God, and I have some statistics which might interest you, and keep in mind, we're looking at young people, not to point any fingers, but to see what we can learn uh, from them. So... of young adults who attended church regularly before college stopped attending church for at least a year between the ages of 18 and 22. The same study found that the dropout rate for young adults accelerates with age. Of the 69% who say they were attending church at age 17, only 58% are still attending church at 18, 40% at 19, And the reasons uh, include uh, numerous factors, a life change, uh, for instance, going to college, perhaps the church or the pastor, and some state religious, ethical, or political beliefs. 34% stopped attending church because they went to college. 32% say that church members seem judgmental or hypocritical. 29% report that they no longer feel connected to people in their church. 25% disagree with the church's stance on political or social issues, and 24% claim work responsibilities. Interestingly, 71% say that their leaving was not an intentional decision. Hmm. And so we're back to a place of choice where the most important thing in your life happened unintentionally. Yeah, wow. You just drifted away or you didn't make it a priority and the, the world had their way with you. Now, Please uh, forgive me. I want to look at those who did stay in church and why they say they did stay in church. I think that's a good thing to look at. You got to look at both sides. Yeah. So uh, thank you. So you're welcome. Those who stayed in church say the church played a vital part in their relationship with God and that they wanted the church to help guide their decisions in everyday life. Amen. 
Four out of ten say they wanted to follow the example of a parent or other family member. Four out of ten say that they continue to attend church because the activities were a large part of their life. Four out of ten say that they continue to attend church because it helps them to be a better person. And approximately four out of ten say that they were committed to the purpose and work of the church. And God bless them for standing against the world and standing for what is important. This statistic is not as hopeful. It says that four out of every five students leave the church after graduation from high school. Pastor Jeff, as a pastor of a church with lots of young people, what is your experience? Um, My experience is, first of all, this is an issue near and dear to my heart. I cut my teeth in ministry in college and young adult ministry. Uh, have worked with youth in college for years. I, I pastor a church now that, as you mentioned, has a lot of young people. And so I have so many stories of, of good, solid kids from the youth group in high school um, that we would all just think so highly of. We would want our children to date. We would, um, and, and to see them about freshman year or sophomore year, or junior year begin to drift, and and many four or five years later, not profess Christianity in any form. I, I would like to say it's rare, but it's not. And so it, it's an important issue, one that I I want to help be part of the solution. Well, I uh, couldn't agree more. Uh, let me just bombard you with two more statistics that I think are important. Four out of ten that leave the church still call themselves Christians. And two out of ten were frustrated because church culture is disconnected from society. How nuts is that? (laughs) And so we're going to get into that in a little while as we talk about church leadership. But that Mm. last one just boggles my mind. It's like, duh. Yeah, right there with you. Yeah. Well, Well, you know, to call yourself a Christian... We all understand both Pastor Jeff and I talked about how we gave our lives to Jesus and then we didn't really act on it for many years and it didn't really change us. And so I understand that. And uh, there's also scripture which says once you know, you're accountable to that knowing. I Uh, would question, do they know? Yeah, uh, maybe they were doing it because it's what their parents did. Uh, Pastor Jeff, what do you hear in that? Well, so so I think one of the questions we have to ask when when we hear all these these horrible numbers is is it so much those that are quote leaving or departing is it more that they're just finally being honest and you know th- that they're not so much leaving as just acknowledging at twenty one or twenty four or twenty seven hey this was just never an important part of my life and. It's just not on my radar. Um, you know, First John 2.19 says they went out from us because they were never a part of us. I think that is honestly what's, what's going on more is not so much that people are truly vibrant and, and you know, all-in Christians as much as they just come to a place in their life where they realize, Hey, this is kind of was mom and dad's thing, or it was kind of cultural, but 
this has no bearing on my life and I'm not going to fake it anymore. And so this sounds, this sounds weird, but there's a part of me that appreciates that. Now I know what we're dealing with. Let's, let's don't fake it anymore. Um, let's be honest. Are you with Christ or do you buy into the, the basic tenets of Christianity? Yeah. Uh, I hear what you're saying about you kind of appreciate it. You know, when you get to Joshua, I think it's twenty four fifteen, and he says, either you will serve the gods your father served across the river, or you'll serve the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So until you have a house, you don't make the conscious decision that you want this in your life. You default to the God that your parents served and you did what they did, yeah. or as you finally experience some independence, you default to the gods in the land that you're living uh, as you pursue work and all of these things. And then as you seek to make friends with the world, it's not until you are betrayed by the world later in life and you start to see the world for what it is that you then experience some of the hardships, which I think brought a lot of us to faith, where you just basically start looking and you say, you know what? This is not for me. I want something true. I want something permanent. I want something real. Here I am in my life, building my life, and I don't want to do it on shifting sands. And so we have that opportunity in Christ. And I appreciate your saying that you like seeing people make that genuine devotion. And we're going to talk about that a little more when we come back in the second segment with Pastor Jeff Neal. Uh, Logos Community Church in Harlingen, Texas. Stay with us. Hello, everyone. This is Christy Stratton. As you may know, I'm host Richard Mendelow's wingman. You might wonder what a wingman is. Here on Courageous Christianity, it means I'm here to support the host of the show in our efforts to accomplish our mission. That mission is to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. And we need your help to do that. Your tax-deductible support is what keeps us on the air and sustains our ongoing efforts. Courageous Christianity is a public nonprofit ministry. If you'd like to support our mission in this ministry, you can do so by texting any amount to 281-800-4940. That's 281 281- Eight zero zero four nine four zero, and for a donation of twenty five dollars or more, we will send you a signed copy of Richard's book, "Right Makes Might: Forty Days to Courageous Christianity." You will absolutely love this devotional, and it will help you to become more equipped in your walk as a courageous Christian. If texting isn't a fit for you, you can also donate by going to courageouschristianity.today. today. So, text to donate to two eight one eight hundred forty nine forty, or go to courageouschristianity.today. today. Friends, thank you. We are so very grateful for your listenership and for your support. What a friend we have in Jesus. Friends, welcome back. We're talking with Pastor Jeff Neal, the Logos. Community Church in Harlingen, Texas, in part five of our series, Friends with the World, Enemies of God. And we're talking about young people leaving the church, making the choice, or just as many admit, drifting away. And we're talking about it not to point a finger at young people, but to see what we can learn about the society that they are choosing and the disappointment which we know is coming. 
and what that can tell us about uh, our faith and how we should live our lives. And we said in the last segment that 20% of students who leave the church expressed frustration that church culture is disconnected from society. And I said, duh, it's supposed Mm -hmm. to be. Uh, How do you see that coming about, Pastor Jeff, that that comes as a surprise to people? Yeah, no, you're right, Rich. There's there's certainly uh, to be lines. You know, the church has always wrestled with how do we address culture? There's there's been primarily three ways. There's church against culture. There's church for or like swimming with culture. And then I, I think what a lot of us agree that the best is church that is in but not of culture. I mean, Scripture says that. That so so it's not simply us kind of pulling away and forming these these separate holy huddles and being so distant that we are not um, affecting culture, We, I, I think that the church should be at the table of the big issues in culture. We just bring different answers. We don't swim with the culture. We don't try to um, be friends with the culture, but we, we, we should try to answer biblically the hard tough questions that culture has. We, we have answers. We yeah. have the answers from God. Yeah, absolutely. I agree so much. We talk on the show a lot about the intersection of our faith and the secular world. And if your faith does not intersect with the secular world, there's no critical to ground. There's no opportunity. Yeah. Jesus said it's not the healthy who need a doctor. So I like what you said about holy huddles. The whole point is not some that we hang out in holy huddles. But neither can we make friends with things that are wrong, because then we will be changed, and we know that that is happening. And uh, as a guy who sees society failing on every level, I see the disconnect between Christian culture and popular culture as a good thing. And scripture and statistics support the disconnect. So we're talking about James chapter 4, verse 4, which is the basis for this series, which says, friends with the world, enemies of God. And specifically, therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. And that is critical. That's like a rule of engagement that you have to keep in the back of your head at that intersection. But then there's a very painful statistic, which I think we need to be connected with. And that says that young people need the church because suicide is the third leading cause of death within the same demographic as is leaving the church. So Mm -hmm. society is failing these people. They're making choices to be friends with society, and then they find out what society really is, and they're betrayed by society, and they're without the coping skills at that early age. And we are plagued as a culture with this very sad disease of suicide. Pastor Jeff, does a church not make clear enough that Christians are supposed to be different from the world, and does that cause it all to come as a shock? Well, I think when we talk about the church, you know, it's hard to talk about it as this monolithic entity. There are some churches that have tried to—they're seeing the statistics that we're seeing. They're alarmed. Their answer, which is an incorrect one, is let's swim with culture. Let's try to to do the world as as good as the world, and we'll put a, a Christian varnish on it. 
And, I mean, it's laughable, one, the church doesn't do the world very well, um, but it ends up being a mockery. And, and I think young people recognize that. They don't want the church trying to imitate and be hip and cool like the world. It ends up being a joke. Um, and so I think that's the wrong answer. But there are other parts of this church that that think that we just need to stand with bullhorns on the corner and blast at culture and and be completely separate. And as you alluded, that's not really the role of, of, of Christians in culture either. Um, I'd, I would rather us engage the culture, the hard questions on sexuality, on morality, on, uh, on things like abortion, and have good, educated, biblical answers and reasons. I mean, one of the highlights uh, uh, centuries in centuries past is that the Christian culture was, um, you, know, you know, had the, the brightest minds, wrote the best songs, um, made the best art, had, you know, had some of the, the strongest philosophers. And so we shouldn't see that ground. Um, yeah, we have answers. Yeah, it's disingenuous. Something I was saying to uh, my team before we prepared to go to Afghanistan, I said this, and uh, I, I think it'll resonate with you. I said, in America, we spend the first 12 years of our lives learning how to read books, whereas in Middle Eastern culture, and especially Afghanistan, they spend the first 12 years of their lives learning how to read people. So I was saying to my team, be genuine. Come with genuine respect. Come with genuine desire to help because they'll see if you're a fraud and that'll make them mad. And so I think uh, young people today, they see when we're a fraud and they see when we're giving answers that aren't uh, based in Scripture and when we're trying to navigate some ground that truthfully shouldn't be navigated. You should just state the black and white of it and then have a conversation there. And by the way, a conversation has a listener and a talker. And we're told to listen first to understand. And that brings us to the next point, which is that uh, in one study, 24% of young adults said they leave the church because their faith is not relevant to their career or interests. Mm. And I take issue with that. And the next statistic says 23% complain that the Bible (laughs) is not taught clearly or often enough. And so I was on a flight one day. I'm sitting next to this guy who just graduated from business school. And I said to him, have you ever read Proverbs? And he looked at me like I was a nut. And he says, what? And I said, Proverbs. It has all kinds of amazing business advice in it, how to conduct business. And he, he said, oh, that's interesting. And so the idea that the Bible isn't relevant to careers and so forth is why we have some of the things perpetrated in the professional realm that are perpetrated from uh, all of this insider trading to Enron-type scandals, etc. And then that, that second point, 23% complained that the Bible is not taught clearly enough or often enough. I think that speaks to this place where we're trying to tiptoe around the Bible, as opposed to leaving it in black and white, and that black and white being a guide to people. Yeah, speaking of the gentleman you talked to on the the airplane, it just, not that he did or didn't, but comes to mind that we're reading all these self-help help books, right? Um, opinions of other people, yet 
we don't read the Bible. It, well, yeah. the word self-help is laughable to me because <laughs> what person yeah. who's ever been in a problem can help themselves? Right. We are the problem. Rich, Rich I love your second point, and I think it's so uh, so prevalent. And, and again, it's, this, it, it's Christians trying to hear the problem and think that the solution is um, less Bible, less truth, um, let's let's entertain people and let's look at the those leaving as consumers and how might we get them to come back and and what I love hearing these statistics of young people saying that's not what I want I want to be deeply engaged with the Bible I want to have my thoughts challenged I don't want to you know come to necessarily a concert and have fog machines <laughs> I want you to wrestle with the deep questions of life and philosophy. You know, teach me the Bible. Let me make some decisions. And and so the answer is not less God, less Bible. The answer is more and, and deeper theology. Absolutely, because if you think about it, as young people confront a world which has no black and white whatsoever. Everything is relative, and uh, there's all this equivocation about all of this stuff where apparently you can be all things to all people and not lose yourself. I love the idea that in an environment of gray, mud, swamp, quagmire, all these things come to my mind, what we need to offer is black and white. What we need to offer in making the choice because remember anyone who chooses to be a friend with the world so what helps people make a choice when things are black and white and so when god says keep this book of the law always on your lips it's not so that you can recite verses and impress everybody at parties it's so that when you're confronted with real life you can make decisions um i didn't yeah, ask a question you. there but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're seeing rich that churches that do this I'm not going to say 100%, but what they see is there is a positive response. And Now, some people that are disinterested in Christianity are, are certainly going to bail, but others at least feel like they're, they're, giving, they're being given real, thoughtful, deep theological answers for the questions of life they have. And you're seeing some of those churches and ministries grow. Um, so it's, again, it's not less Bible, it's not less theology, it's more. It absolutely is more, and we're going to get to that point where I tell you that I think we should make things harder, and you're going to, I'll explain myself, everybody settle down. Um, actually, uh, we're going to talk about in the next segment what we are alluding to here, which is in the choice to be friends with the world or enemies of God, is this a leadership failure? And having described the problem, what now are some of the ways we should look at rectifying it and taking our place as leaders in faith for ourselves and young people? Stay with us, folks. We'll be back soon. I get that we all have our day. They fought for our freedom and made sacrifices most of us can't imagine. And now our veterans need your help. Hi, friends. I'm Christy Stratton, Richard Mindelow's wingman here on Courageous Christianity. You've possibly heard us talking about Freedom Alliance on the show. It's an organization near and dear to our hearts. Freedom Alliance is healing the wounds of war, including the devastating emotional injuries that cause veterans to reject God's love. 
Freedom Alliance is saving lives in military marriages. They rehabilitate wounded heroes, donate customized wheelchairs to amputees, and provide college scholarships to the sons and daughters of military heroes. I hope you'll join us in supporting our combat veterans by donating to Freedom Alliance today. I urge you to visit freedomalliance.org to learn more about their mission. We at Courageous Christianity know the team at Freedom Alliance, and we've seen them do the Lord's work. They are committed to helping ordinary Americans who've done extraordinary things. Please go to freedomalliance.org to make a contribution that will change a hero's life. Friends, for almost 18 months, Christy Stratton has been my wingman on Courageous Christianity. To our message of courageous faith, she adds her invaluable perspective as a transformational coach. She's the walking embodiment of courage and compassion, and she brings us to bear on those going through divorce in her own show, The Divorce Coaching Hour, which airs Saturdays from 1 to 2 p.m. right here on 100.7 KKHT, The Word. For those who are struggling in their marriages, she brings hope with guests who speak to the myriad counseling options available. For those who are going through divorce, she offers invaluable technical and behavioral assistance. And for those who are coming out of divorce, she delivers a unique perspective on the opportunity for growth and change. If you are, or a friend or family member is, struggling in a marriage, contemplating or going through divorce, you need a wingman. You will want to tune in each Saturday to hear from Christy and her guests. One thing is for sure, as I have learned over the last 72 shows on Courageous Christianity, you can count on Christy for truth, for a faith-based perspective, for compassion, and for insightful guidance. Tune in each Saturday. She'll be there for you as well. Don't miss the Divorce Coaching Hour with Christy Stratton every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 100.7 FM, KKHT, The Word. Friends, you're listening to Courageous Christianity, and we're talking with Pastor Jeff Neal about young people and the choices they are making in increasing numbers to make friends with the world. And we've described the problem, and I'd like to transition this conversation to thoughts about how the experience of young people mirrors the experience of adults and what we in ministry can do about the issue. For example, much of the research I did looked at the experience of various denominations of Christianity. And as a Jew who believes in Jesus, I was not raised in any particular denomination, obviously. And to be quite honest, I don't understand denominational thinking. But a lot of these statistics were uh, Catholic, this, uh, all the, the different denominations, Lutherans and so forth. It seems to me that if 23% of the young adults who leave the church complain that the Bible isn't taught clearly or often enough, Maybe we should spend less time in denominational thinking and more time in the Word. Pastor Jeff, what do you think? No argument here. Uh, again, I'm, I'm probably going to sound like a broken record today, but um, you know, if we believe what we do, what we say we do about God's Word, and that it is it it is profitable, that it is it is good for teaching, for correcting, for rebuking, for training in righteousness. It is the very Word of God. How? Why would we not get more of that into the heads of our young people? Um, so, yeah. absolutely. And by the way, Scripture says, Joshua chapter 1 says that 
If you do it, you'll be prosperous and successful. And we all know that you violate Scripture at your peril. Everything hidden will be brought out into the open, and everything secret will be made known. So the truth is going to come out. And if you're doing business, for example, in a dishonest way, not giving people a full measure, then ultimately it's going to come out. You cannot violate the truth of God and expect to get away with it. So here's another thought. Okay, so we say more Bible, more clearly taught, more black and white, less gray. I think there's another component, and this might sound shocking to some of you. So as we consider the whether or not this is a leadership failure, I think a fault in leadership is sometimes to try and make things easier. So with regard to Marines, I believe that when they go to the recruiter's office, they are doing so because they want to leave society behind. They, they want to turn their backs on society and have higher standards. And then as the Marine Corps sometimes lowers standards to try and make friends with society or address an issue, those same people who sought that sense of purpose drift back to their old ways and they drift back to society and then eventually they leave the Marine Corps. And so my point is that Leadership should work hard in the differentiation between the Marine Corps and society. And I believe the same is true with the church. If we work harder in differentiation, saying that this is just how it is, we are setting these high standards, not because we're perfect people, but because I would rather have high standards and help you to achieve them than set low standards and uh, have you lower yourself to meet them. Is that nuts? Yeah, and, and I think, Rich, you know, you were talking about denom- denominations, and what I have seen is these different statistics roll out. I, I see denominations sometimes fighting amongst themselves, and, well, we only lost 9%, and you guys lost 13%, and, and, and this kind of game of one-upmanship, or, or, well, you guys are defining those leaving too narrowly, and we're arguing over how the numbers are being crunched. I'd rather just an honest, hey, yes. The church is in trouble. Young people are leaving. Let's not argue about the statistics. Uh, let's talk about the leadership failure. Let's talk about the correction. Um, let's not haggle over the statistics. They're bad. Yeah. Um... It's what I'm hearing and here is there's a lack of understanding. A lot of churches doing it the old way or my way or even as much as the church is a business versus what you're but we're all doing here uh, at your leadership really diving in and trying to understand well you know what uh, aviation ca- safety is incredibly advanced and i teach a lot in the area of aviation safety culture and the difference between civilian aviation safety culture and marine corps aviation safety culture and there is a bit of a difference and one of the differences is that all incredibly safe cultures have the same thing in common, and that is a granular understanding of the problem. And that granular understanding comes from an open culture which says, let's talk about the problems. We want reports. We want uh, feedback from the ground level up. And that way we can define the problems accurately and we can uh, implement procedures to help people because nobody wants to show up at work in the morning and do a bad job. And so in regard to the church, to some degree, we have to talk to young people to find out what is the issue. And so we're doing that. 
But then we also have to correct the system because you can't hold somebody responsible for their behavior within a system if the system is not right. And so some of the thoughts I have about the system are probably uh, a little difficult to bear because um, I believe that people join the Marine Corps, for example, to serve something bigger than themselves, and they join the Marine Corps to have a sense of purpose, and that purpose is to defend the nation against her enemies in combat. And then to those uh, Marines uh, in the peacetime military, it might seem like all they do is training and inspections and parades. And that's because leadership has to set correct expectations, and their experience falls short of their expectations, so they're disenchanted. They were seeking a decisive purpose, and their experience doesn't meet that. If that recruiter had been honest in the first place and said, look, this is how things are here, this is how things are there, join or don't join. Um, It's kind of like dating to me. I said to a friend uh, recently that dating is like (laughs) fishing. Uh, except for you're the bait. So if we advertise a bill of goods that isn't accurate, then eventually the expectations that we set are too low and people come to be disappointed. In the same way, I feel that the church fails to commit Christians at the intersection of their faith and the secular world. We're taught that these things are separate. And so we think more about Jesus the Lamb than Jesus the warrior, and we're taught to step away from the evil that we actually should, as Christian warriors, confront. And then in the absence of that decisive purpose, Christians drift away because they feel like their faith is about inspections and parades on Sunday, vice decisive purpose. And we are told to resist evil. So I don't understand how that happens. Can you elaborate? Bingo, Marine. I mean, I looked up this, uh, what you you brought to mind, this quote from C.S. Lewis in uh, The Weight of Glory where he says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. And again, as we're trying to figure out as leaders, Hey, let's be honest with the statistics. Let's let's honestly assess and, and admit and now how to, to address it's not, as you're saying, in lowering the bar. No. We, we, we've, we, we've presented, I think, young people perhaps with a God that's far too small and insignificant, and, and we've sold Christianity as, hey, here's a way to maybe something to add to your already vibrant life and, and kind of help you be well-rounded, instead of saying, we want to introduce you to the creator of the world, to the maker of your soul, to, you know, to the, uh, we've made God too small and, and not presented him in all his grandeur. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you watch TV and you see all this buffoonery going on and you think that your God can't handle it. And the truth of the matter is, if you take your, your efforts to him, He will bless them, and you will bring credit, and you will correct the world, and the world won't change you. And that's the choice that we're talking about. Uh, Just such an important—C.S. Lewis was awesome, by the way. Such an important discussion, because as we water down Christianity to make it more palatable to the world— we give the world the opportunity to shape us instead of us shaping the world. Yeah. And then Christian warriors, people who would be engaged in the fight, 
are disenchanted because they say our God is so small he can't handle this small situation. Um, And, you know, I don't want to... You said something earlier that's so important. You said the church is not monolithic. And so when I say the church, I guess I should tell you that the picture I have in my mind is the idea that people have that the church is a building. And as these buildings have become bigger then they have these electricity bills and they have these parking lot bills and they have all these property tax bills and all this kind of stuff. And the church is the community of believers. It's not a building. And if you think about it, Jesus did not go door to door. He appeared in the bazaar, in the market square, and he said, if you want to come and hear the truth of God, come and listen to me. And he he didn't say things that pleased people, and he didn't have a big building that he had to keep up and pay uh, the bills on, so he could say whatever he wants. We recently had a pastor on the show whose church has experienced great upset because he spoke the truth about something. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is it's not monolithic, and to those in uh, church leadership, God bless you. God bless you for the calling that you have heard and the efforts that you make daily. And I'm not saying that the people in the system are wrong. What I'm saying is, like with aviation safety, we should never be afraid to look at the system and say, is what we're doing working? And if not, I don't mind. Because I would rather advertise uh, honestly and then have people make good choices to... uh, accept or reject, then confuse things and muddy things at the same time as the world is trying to confuse things and muddy things. And now we're all lost, we're all confused, and there's nothing black and white. And it's that black and white that young people need as they go through the biggest transitions of their life, and it's up to church leadership to provide that. And we're going to talk about that in the final segment. Stay with us. In a crowded place I was dying Friends, it's Richard, the host of Courageous Christianity. In addition to donations, sponsorships also help to keep us on the air and sustain our ongoing efforts. We'd love for you to join us in this mission. If you own a Christian business or an entrepreneur, or it's on your heart to support our efforts, sponsorship opportunities are available. You'll have the chance to have your message heard during each show and much more. If you want to join us in our mission to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield and support us with your sponsorship... Contact us at 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. Contact us today to apply as there are some requirements. So give us a call at 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. We're grateful for your listenership and for your support. Friends, you're back with Courageous Christianity, and we're in our final segment with Pastor Jeff Neal of the Logos Community Church in Harlingen, Texas. And we're talking in part five of our series, Friends with the World, Enemies of God, about the future of faith. And we're talking about young people leaving the church and what that tells us. And Christy's over here taking very serious (laughs) notes and all these diagrams and arrows and all of this stuff. So I think we lost her in about segment two, where she just took off on a tangent. Well, my mind often when I hear um, maybe new ways of thinking or something that really 
draws me in, which usually I'm, I'm talking, but I'm really listening to this wonderful conversation. And it's, I, I put things down and I understand things by kind of visual diagrams. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just really, some of the things that are sticking with me is that we need to come together with understanding. And then the church with that understanding needs to bring purpose, helping young people um, to understand their purpose for if they don't know their purpose, what is life worth living anyway? That's probably what I'm thinking they're feeling. Then again, the church needs to come in and raise the bar. And then, and, and so what I'm trying to define here is where it's kind of a together thing, where it's the leadership thing, and then how it raises everyone together. Absolutely. I don't know if that makes we, sense. You no, can't see you, my diagram. No, uh, <laughs> it, uh, it makes a ton of sense. You know, uh, there's a thing that plagues aviation. It's called normalization of deviance. And what happens is people start cutting corners to get the job done. And sometimes it's because the system isn't right and the system needs to be addressed. And sometimes it's because the person's not acting correctly. But either way, the first step is always to go back to the standard operating procedure. And so uh, we're talking about going back to the word and the black and white of it. Pastor Jeff, um, as we uh, work uh, to wrap things up, I want to ask you your final thoughts to make sure that we're looking at things in a productive way. Yeah, I, I like that word productive, Rich, because it's, it would be easy to have a segment like this, and I can imagine some listeners uh, maybe feeling defeated or deflated. Um, and, and I think that happens often with the whenever the church talks about the next generation and there's kind of a woe um, and, and that, I mean, how can we recover? But I, I happen to be preaching in Second Chronicles chapter 29 this, this Sunday, uh, this coming Sunday on, on Hezekiah. And I was just reminded the biblical example we have is that there is often this cyclical uh, rise and, and then waning of, wor- of true worship of God. And so we're not in a unique position, and we're not also in a helpless position. Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and he, he has said he's going to build and sustain his church. So with that backdrop, that, that great promise, you know, Hezekiah in, in 2 Chronicles 29 uh, first assesses the status of the worship of God, and it's horrible. And, and he challenges the priest that, hey, we've got to open the doors, we've got to get the filth out, we have to go back to the right things, which are determined for us scripturally, and then we have to stand. I think he, he ends in, in verse 11 and says, hey, don't be, don't be negligent. Stand and, and minister to God. Um, and so I love the picture in, in, that, in that passage. It's the young generation that's not the problem, but that is the solution. They're the ones calling the current generation to repentance, to reform. And so, man, I would, I would love to appeal to young people right now in the church. Hey, stand up in your church. Ask the church to repent. Call, call your peers back. Call the current generation to repent and to reform and to worship God as he, as he lays out in his word. And, uh, you know, I, again, I love the promise that the young generation— can be not the problem, but the solution. 
yeah, to what we're Absolutely. We had a guest in the studio a couple of shows ago, and I was talking about how when my kids behaved badly, I would say to my ex-wife, is this a leadership failure? And they laughed at me when I said that. But the truth of the matter is, as a person in leadership, firstly, Scripture warns us uh, that it's better not to be a teacher. Well, now you're a teacher, and now you're a leader, and so you have to teach what God says is right, not what you think is right, not what you what you would like to be right, but what God says is right. And so the very first question that should be asked by church leadership, by church members who call leadership to account, is what does God say is right? It doesn't matter who's messing up. Is this a leadership failure? Let's get back to the basics. Let's do what Scripture says that we should do, what's written in black and white, and then we will all be held accountable for that. How does yes. that sound to you? But sounds perfect. We can trust God and His Word. Absolutely. It never fails. And that brings us to our moment of truth. Thank you, Pastor Jeff, for that intro. Friends, as you know, in every show, we have a moment of truth where we look at Scripture, which informs our discussion, and we do this to remind ourselves that God's Word is our first refuge, that it's always relevant, and that it never fails. And if you go back and listen to podcasts, I've been saying that since the very first show, it is our first refuge, it's always relevant, and it never fails. And so the more confusing the world is, the more we need the black and white of God's Word. And I got to tell you, combat is confusing, and combat is hard. And that's why Marines have rules of engagement, so that when the stuff is getting gray and confusing, they say, what is my mission? What is my commander's intent? And what do rules of engagement say? Our mission is to go and make disciples of all nations in order to glorify our God and restore his lost children. And so, again, it's always uh, relevant. It's our first refuge, and it never fails. And our moment of truth today comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 2, which says simply, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Friends, this world is a messed up place. There are good things happening to bad people, and there are bad things happening to good people, and the systems of man are broken because man is involved in them, and we cannot be conformed to the pattern of this world, but in our thinking be renewed and transformed. And our quote of the day is actually two quotes of the day, and they come from me and John Maxwell. And so you get two for the price of one, and I'm not sure if it's legal to quote yourself on your own radio show, mm. but... It is your show. It's my show. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have said this many times. If you're not sure what to do, do the hardest thing. It's always right. And I don't know why that's true, but it's absolutely true. Do the hardest thing, and it will be right. And John Maxwell said something similar, and this is tremendously relevant for today. He said... Your emotions are making it difficult for you to accept hard decisions. So friends, as we wrap up today's shows, let me say that I have some experience in leadership. And my experience is that the single most critical factor is setting expectations. 
As I've said before, the more people think of the body of Christ as a building full of believers, and the bigger those buildings get, the more dependent those churches are on the tithes of their flock to pay the increasingly large bills. And because of that financial reliance, some churches are afraid of offending those in their flock who are friends with the world. And that sets the expectation for Christians that we can be friends with the world and friends with God, and that is categorically not so. Think about it. At every turn, Jesus was at odds with the world. Of the financial world, he said, you cannot serve God and mammon. And mammon is basically the worship of money or things material. I didn't know what that word meant, so I had to look it up. (laughs) He was at odds with the political world, who persecuted him because he challenged their authority. He was at odds with the social world, which sought his crucifixion because he spoke truth which convicted them of their sin. And he wasn't even accepted as a prophet in his own hometown. He was at odds with the world. Should we, as his followers, expect to be liked by the world? Should we even want to be liked by the world? The answer is no and no. Look around, friends. This world is miserable and in chains. It is voluntarily chained by the love of money, the love of power, the love of sex, and the love of self. And Jesus offers us freedom from all of that. And even more, he offers us abundant, eternal life. Make no mistake, this world will not like you. Our choice as Christians is simple. We choose Jesus or we choose the world. There's no middle ground, nor should there be. Christianity is meant to be hard. We are meant to be different from the world. We should look different, feel different, think different, and act different. We are meant to put the world to a decision by standing firm in faith and resisting evil. And if we are of the world, that cannot happen. We cannot do our jobs. And truthfully, We are just playing church. So I know this sounds harsh, but our choice is simple. Choose God or the world. And the choice to which we must lead people is simple. Choose God or the world. And that is courageous Christianity. Christy, you looked at me while I was speaking. What are your thoughts? I was going to say amen. Amen. Absolutely right. Amen. Pastor Jeff. Thank you so much for being with us. What would you like to offer us as you say goodbye? Man, just, again, hope. I, I, I like to, man, I'm a, Jesus is, is our hope. And so I don't, I don't leave today defeated or deflated and have great hope for the church. Let's be bold. Let's be biblical. Let's love well. And um, things are going to be okay. But let's, let's be honest about the problem. But let's, Let's do the things we know to do. Amen. And that is absolutely the truth. When things get confusing, go back to the Word. It is the solution. It is the hope. Remember, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 ends, finally, we have faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And that's the love that sets people up for success. So friends, thanks for joining Christy and me. We hope you'll join us each and every week here on 100.7 KKHT, the word at KKHT.com or on CourageousChristianity.today, where you can listen to previous episodes by podcast. We are honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless and Semper Fi.